Welcome on. Thank you for tuning in to the Battle Braves FC podcast, the podcast focusing on all things pro soccer in the DMV and across the U.S. My name is Jose Mania, sports writer for the Sports Post, and joining me as always, Mario Maya from Tiempo Latino. Mario, how are you doing today? I'm doing all right. Uh, it has been one muggy weekend in the DMV. I was out here sweating much more than a Baptist preacher giving a Sunday sermon. Okay, didn't need to know all that, but all right. I mean, we will talk about Miami, into Miami versus DC in a second, but we'll talk about where you were that had all this mugginess, and that was the Washington Spirit losing its first regular season game in five tries, and that was against expansion side Angel City FC. Angel City wins 1-0. It was a poor performance by the Spirit based on their own standards. And the goal would come right before the stroke of halftime from Kristen Press, which on the 42nd minute was able to make a quick switch behind Morgan Goff, make the cut, and then releasing a curling shot past Aubrey Kingsbury. The, The Spirit were attempting to do some changes with their lineup, benching Ashley Sanchez, so she could get some rest before she came in in the second half. Uh, Keeping Kelly O'Hara off the starting 11 as well as just the game entirely so she could get a rest. Andy Sullivan still hasn't recovered from her injury during the preseason. And the spirit looked poor, looked rugged, tired. We'll get to the reasons of that in a second. But Mario, like I said, you were at Audi Field for this from your vantage point. How did you think of the Spirits overall performance? It was it was bad actually. It was pretty bad. It's something I haven't said about a Spirit performance in a long time. Uh they didn't really have their wits about themselves. Um Ashley Hatch was a non-factor. She was being marked out throughout the entire game. Uh Chris Ward said this during the uh during the press conference afterwards. He said it's kind of difficult when they're bear hugging Ashley Hatch for 90 minutes. Not a lot was going through. Uh, Trinity Rodman was not effective, even though she gave somebody a nutmeg. Plus, the skip to the loo, my darling, during the first half. But outside of that, I think Trinity Rodman was ineffective. Uh, Ashley Hatch was a non-factor. And all in all, the performance was just bad. Uh, On the goal, you could kind of tell that defensive communication was kind of down. At certain and that certain aspect that allowed Kristen Press to roam freely and get into the box with ease the way she did, and all in all, it, it was frankly a really poor performance from the Spirit, especially considering their standards going into the season. But at least Paige Nielsen got her ring today. Yeah, I mean, before the game, yeah, she got her ring, and shout out to her. It kind of sucked that she wasn't able to get into the game until the 96th minute because she had an earring issue where she was wearing earrings and they're not allowed to wear earrings during the game. So I forgot to tell her or something happened. But she was supposed to come in 10 minutes earlier. It had to be held off until 10 minutes later with two minutes to go in the game. I mean, the stats speak for themselves. Spirit had nine shots. Only one was on target. When you have that kind of deficiency offensively, it kind of it lends to that kind of result. And and also, I just felt that throughout the game, 
there was an extra attacker missing, and that was Sanchez. Sanchez creates um, so many opportunities for the Spirits attackers that when she's not on the field, it puts a lot of weight and responsibility for whoever is in her place, whether it's Bailey Feist or 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 Maureen Goff, who was playing defensively this time around, but I'm just bringing her up as an example. Um, it just brings up more responsibility to whoever comes in and has to take on the role of that attacking midfielder uh, for the spirit. They had Dorian Bailey in that spot today. Um, where there were moments where Dorian did fine. I thought she did okay. But I felt like the majority, of, especially the first half, Spirit were, were stuck in the midfield a lot. And they weren't able to create that leading pass to the final pass to create the opportunity. And that's where Ashley Sanchez works best. Her communication with Rodder and 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 with the other attackers, she really puts in an effort to track back when she needs to, then restarting play. Uh, Anna Hefferty was the only standout for me in the first half, and then in the second half, Trini Raman gets going, gets really going once they put in Sanchez. But it go kind of goes back to what you're mentioning. It was just like the attack was a little def- not deflating it was just lacking intensity um something that was brought up in the post game by aubrey kingsbury i felt like they were lacking intensity lacking that bite um that we normally see from the spirit um now to their credit like this was the first week in a while that the spirit had five days off before the next match uh but then they are entering their third week where they'll be playing three games in a week. They play today on Sunday. They play on Wednesday in Portland. And they will play on Saturday in Seattle against all rain. We will play the audio of what Chris Ward said. But I do think that whoever comes off the bench is going to need to step up. Uh not to bring up what happened in the past, but this is what would happen in Spirit Alive, where come World Cup time, whoever was sitting on the bench wasn't able to fill in the gaps for the national teamers that left. And so you're you're in a situation now where there is no World Cup, but there is qualifiers. But there isn't a World Cup qualifier to June, and you have all these matches stacking up. You got to go to that reserve now. So you got to go to the Tiana Andersons and the Bailey Feist and and the De- and maybe even the Devin Kerrs and the Karina Rodriguez's of the world, and got to say, hey, you got to pull in a shift for me, and because they got so many matches coming up, and so and and can you and there's got to be more rotation. Um, what are your thoughts before we discuss what <laughs> what Ward said about uh, the team's current condition? What did you think about the change? Like, do you think the spirit has the bench right now, the depth that can carry? They kind of do and they kind of don't. It's interesting because you kind of know what the depth pieces are when it comes to the spirit. 
and then you kind of feel like there's still like a little bit of a dependency on the national team players. And it kind of shows a little bit when you don't have Kelly O'Hara out there. So kind of it would be more of like you'd have to have this mentality of next person next person up or next player up when it comes to the spirit coming into these few next few games because you are going to work with things like fatigue and you can't overwork your your best players or your national team players so some players are going to have to step up so maybe not you know I think and I can't say I can't stress this enough but there are certain players that you haven't used yet, so this is a good time to start using these players to see what what they bring into the what they bring to the table and what how they benefit your your playing style. And so, yeah, you're gonna have to go through through the depth pieces and really test them out, especially considering that you have three games coming up in the span in the span of a week, and especially considering that you're going on a cross country road trip to portland and seattle uh, coming up so you're really going to have to test the depth a little more yeah i want to see more of and alexander um she she came up with a good pedigree from lsu uh british international um she plays a similar style to trinity and the reason i bring up specifically alexander and you saw it too it was uh, towards the final moments of the game, and Trinity hit the ground. Looked like a cramp. She ultimately just waves off any help and says, I'm just going to start walking to the locker room. And she, I mean, there was only seconds left. I didn't blame her. And she, she just started limping towards the locker room. It kind of goes back to what happened last season in the very beginning parts of the season where Richie Burke um, – persona non grata but you know we had multiple games where i would ask richie why are you playing trinity robin 90 minutes why are you playing trinity robin 90 minutes and he's like because she's a baller that's why because she's a footballer all that jazz I'm and then what sir that can't be it you got to remember that trinity robin's like what 20 21 well, it's about to turn 20 he's about to turn 20 yeah and so yeah you got um you gotta like, you gotta keep her. You gotta not say, don't like call her minutes, but you gotta like carry it slowly when it comes to Trinity Rodman because she but was. What ended up happening? Uh, what ended up happening was last season was she ended up like, was sustaining an injury during the summer, and she missed a couple of games. Then the COVID forfeit, and then last year it was brought up to Chris. Like I remember asking him, like, "Hey, she looks better now." Since the COVID, after the, the first couple of games after the COVID forfeits, she looked better. And I remember vividly asking, you know, why does she look so better? When right before everything happened in June, like she was slogging, she looked tired, and then she got the injury. And he said, simple, like, you got to manage, not just manage her minutes, but you got to manage her, her fitness levels. Like, because she's not going to want to stop. And so here, here we go again where I'm seeing the same thing, and I wonder if Chris is going to follow his own words and if he's going to see maybe Portland as the opportunity to maybe rest Trinity or give her only 40 minutes or maybe only play her 50 minutes and, and then pull her out or make her a second-half sub um, and give Alexander the opportunity. Because I think Alexander, 
hasn't really had a lot of minutes to show herself, which is kind of the opposite of what the Spirit has done in the past, where they have allowed first-round picks to play out their their first couple of games to see if they're good or not. And that was because before, the Spirit didn't have players of the quality of Sanchez, Hatch, and Robert. Well, Hatch had to grow into it even after she traded, got traded um, to the Spirit. But they didn't have, like... Put, they they didn't have like experienced players like Rodder and O'Hara in the past, so players were allowed to mold in. I kind of want to see if in these next two games, Alexander gets a chance to like come in, see what she can do, but also give Rodman a break because I think that's going to be key for the Spirit going forward. Is what do they do when Rodman or Sanchez or anybody else in the attack gets called up for the for the national team? Are they going to be able to sustain their success when four or five of their players go off to the national team? Right, and that's got that's got to be a question that that Chris Ward's got to ask himself internally. Like, where what do I do? I think Alexander would be a perfect replacement for Trinity Rodman when she's gone because they they kind of play this a uh, similar style. I uh, just like what she brings to the table, uh, but. Yeah, it, it is something that you have to consider, especially considering that qualifiers start next month. And so it, it and so it's probably best to like pretty much start testing out your debt pieces now and see what you could work with thinking thinking in the long run when I'm don't have any of my of just not Jew just not US women international players, but also Considering if Julia Rotter gets called up to the Swedish national team, for example, you got to have a plan B for if you're missing Rotter. And so that that would have to be something that Chris Ward would have to consider, especially considering in this next few stretch of games coming up. Speaking of Chris Ward, he mentioned, you know, he was asked, team looked very fatigued. How much is their current fatigue because of the Challenge Cup, and he had said in the past his players really wanted to win the Challenge Cup, so they went all out for the Challenge Cup. And so he said, you know, he said a lot. <laughs> he said a lot. Yeah, so as far as the Challenge Cup goes, I mean, this this week coming up will be the third time this season that we'll play three games in a week. That shouldn't be happening. I know that. I know that there's a lot that goes into the Challenge Cup. However... If you're going to do a lot of the things that we're doing uh, in terms of setting up these games, restricting the type of travel that you can use, um, reducing roster size, things like that, then I think extra attention needs to be paid to the games and when they're placed. You know, now we're going into a situation where. Uh, Portland has two extra days rest and the rain has nine extra days rest in the first month of the season. That's almost criminal, frankly. And so for us to have to play three finals in a week, like we did and, and because I look at it as, you know, the championship ceremony, the ring ceremony, you can't lose that game. There is pressure there to make sure that you win that game in front of your fans. And then the semifinal is like a final because you have to win it to to move on. And so there's added pressure on all of those. And then you go in and now what we've seen North Carolina three, ta- three times already in the first six weeks. 
Um, and, you know, they are a mid-Atlantic rival um, in so many ways. I mean, going back to last season in the playoff round. And so, yeah, it's taken a toll. I think if it's scheduled differently, you know, if the players have been allowed to build up to a point where they can handle that, or you allow for better travel, or you have, I don't know why there was a reduction in roster size, I can speculate, but if you're going to do those things, then ultimately the players are going to suffer. And I think you see some of that. I think every team has dealt with that to some degree. Um, but the situation that we find ourselves in now, that's that really shouldn't be the case, especially if you're going to say that you're a league that strives for parity. Um, there's not a lot of parity in this week coming up. Mario, <laughs> you are in the press box, obviously, for these comments. And it reminisced to me a lot of like those old school Bruce Arena, Ben Olsen. Just like, give me a minute while I'm on my smoke box. Because <laughs> I need to just rant about this dumb stupidity for a minute. Well, so the visual about when he started ranting about this, he had a child on his lap while doing this. Oh, that him. was the best part. Yes. That's the best part of this whole thing. He had a goddamn child on his lap. Imagine that. You're ranting about the inefficiency of the league you play, you coach under, while having your child, I'm assuming it's his child, on your lap. Talking about yeah, NWSL does not know how to uh, how to properly do a schedule when it comes to the Challenge Cup. But I agree with him. I agree because it does t- yeah, the team look fatigued. I think we've said this before. Like you gotta man, you gotta manage those kinds of things because fatigue fatigue is something that that is important when it comes. When you have players that aren't playing optimal and they've played so many games and they carry this much of a load, it, it does tend to affect the team a team's performance. So I, I agree with Chris Ward. I, I just love the fact that he said all this with a child on his lap. I think his overall gangster point about the league was not just valid. It, it's the most recent coach to come out and say the things that he said. I, I thought, you know, the league has been attacked recently for its officiating, which we did see today again have some issues and certain calls, um, especially there, at this game. Yeah, there's one point in time that they called what was a clear throwing to the spirit. <laughs> the, the, uh, the assistant referee called it a throwing for the uh, for Angel City, and then the ref's like, no, 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 it's spirit ball. And well, I think. I'm thinking more of along the lines of in the first half of the few opportunities the Spirit had, it was a chipping ball, and Rodman was on the far end, the far post, almost was going to header it, but it's clear as day on the broadcast feed that the goalkeeper was able to get all her fingers on the ball and tip the ball over which should have been a spirit goal. And then when it tips over Rodman, it should have been a spirit corner kick. And, <laughs> and then it turns into a goal kick, which sets up the the game-winning goal for, <laughs> for Angel City. Um, 
I mean, the league's gotten beaten up for the, for the officiating. Let's not go back to the Challenge Cup semifinal. That was a penalty. It was a handball. All rain has the right to be upset. <laughs> and But just the, the, the timing of it. Remember, this was allegedly a preseason tournament. There was no breaks. The teams had to fly in and out. They played... There was no. It was if the regular season began, but they played it in like group style. They they none of the points mattered to the regular season. So, but all the teams took it seriously because of the bonus. It it, it kind of was just a glorified mess overall. The spirit was going for it because they wanted to win another trophy. And it turned into this. The, the semifinal was played after the home opener. Three days after the home three, opener. Three days after the home opener, which the home opener they wanted to win. The, the, the semifinals, once they were qualified, they wanted to win. Remember the game before, they had to win. So they were in the three games of must win. They get into the final. Chicago has to bump its opening day to another day because now they're going to North Carolina. Small to travel, but still, that's three games in one week. Now they're doing it two weeks later. They're doing it again. And it's it's got to be maddening because you're not able to then work on the field with your players which was one of the complaints that Rodder brought up. She said that, you know, we've only been able to do walkthroughs. Yeah, we have had a lot of, like, recovery sessions. So it's been uh, mostly, like, walkthroughs and not a lot of, like, high-tempo training. So hopefully we can get a few in because I feel like we need that too to be able to play better in the games. Like, if I'm a league, I'm listening to that. Like, whoa, we we messed up here. We messed up here big time. Because... You know, the, and the funny thing is, NWSL commissioner was in the building today. The commissioner was there. Like... The commissioner was there. And now you have a coach, uh, the most recent coach, being Chris Ward, Julia Rotter, and several other players putting a complaint like, we can't pro- properly practice because we have so many games that are playing that are that are so close together that we could only do is recover and do walkthroughs. I don't think you could you could uh, sustain sustain a, a rhythm just by doing that, and that's something I think the NWSL has to work on is trying to find a I guess a happy medium. When it comes to the Challenge Cup and properly scheduling games, because it does contribute to the fatigue factor, and eventually you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna piss off some people because it will end up contributing to pro to what may be a serious injury or just or just the fatigue. You're gonna burn out these players before the end of the season. We did have a serious injury. Do you not remember the final? The final. Oh, yeah, yeah, really. You know what? You are right. Like that right injury, that that head injury, where Dabinia's knee hits uh, Jordan Baggett in the head, causing her to hit her head on her leg and then hit the, her head on the ground, 
that concussion comes from a laggy player in Jordan who was just starting her preseason because she was coming back from injury. And Dabinia running on fumes, but with the dying minutes trying to keep the score for North Carolina. Those last 20 minutes were hard to watch. Because why? You've been playing two back-to-backs every week. Every week, there were two games in a week. That's fine if you're in California and everyone's in California and you're playing groups of four. So you only play an opponent once, you know, like World Cup style. But you're playing the Eastern Conference played like six teams and the Western Conference had five or six teams. It was was a cluster F. Like it was just not, to me, it just didn't feel like if you're going to make this important, if you're going to put a million dollars in the next one, you need to make sure that you're not prioritizing this preseason event over your regular season because that's what's going to not just bring in your overall money in. That's what's going to drive the players that are currently playing in Europe to not want to come here. Those are the players that you want to keep bringing back to this country, the players that, that like a Marta, like a Dubinia, that prefer playing here, not just because of the money aspect, but because they know that the lifestyle's easier and they'll play the best soccer in the world. This is the best competitive league, but something that, that Chris Ward said perfectly, this league wants parity. You can't get parity by treating your champion like this and then treating the team that your champion beat in all rain, giving them a four-day relaxation period before they meet the champions again. So it's a mess. Someone will get hurt again. I don't hope it happens. I hope it doesn't happen, but someone will get hurt just like Jordan did in that final and the league is going to have to answer to that to those inquiries as to why are we playing this tournament so seriously. I do think they need to change the format. They need to change it. If they're going to be $4 million, you better realize people are going to play their butts off for $1 million. Like, that's just human nature. So you need to make it easier where you're still prioritizing the league, but you're not overrunning your players just for this preseason tournament. Yeah, and you got to make these kinds of calls and decisions and changes within the next year because you're entering a World Cup year. Right. Well, yeah, exactly. Like, you're going to be entering a Women's World Cup year, and there's going to be international coaches that are going to tell you, no, I don't want my player playing that prolonged tournament. If you want to, if, if you're going to want everybody to play home in a way so everybody could get money or whatever, then you put groups of four. You know what I'm saying? Like you make it easier on the legs or you say, like we were talking about last week, if you get a low seed, guess what? You ain't, you finish the season last place. You ain't playing the home games in the challenge cup unless you get good, you do good in the group stage, like make it matter, but also make it less stressful. God, you can't like, 
The Spirit's playing their third week of three games in a week. There are some NBA teams that don't do that. <laughs> like, right, and the load man and the load management has got to be killer at this point when it comes when you're playing three ga- three weeks of three games in a row. Well, That's the spirit, true. yeah, exactly. The Spirit's game is all about pressing. You need to be fresh legs to do pressing, and they can't do that at the moment. No, they could. They couldn't do it. McCaskill was just doing what she did last year to the spirit just killing them in the midfield like running in the middle of their midfield like with nobody blocking why because they're so tired they're still up front the counter capping no one's in the middle (laughs) so the league really needs to work with that i'm with chris i honestly am because it's going to ruin our enjoyment of the league itself because we watch the whole season. We don't just watch a preseason tournament. We watch the whole season. And we're not going to get to see our favorite players if they're out injured. So Right. So, God, do what you do what you must with that information, NWSL. you got to kind of have to fix it here. Also, exactly. This one. <laughs> yes, Chris Ward, that was a, that was a rant. That was a rant. <laughs> but if you're Chris Ward, I want you to do these kinds of rants with a child on your lap more often. <laughs> Football Americas, if you don't get this on video and put this on TV, I don't trust you anymore. <laughs> I don't trust you at all. Um, moving on uh, to the other pro soccer team in the area, and that is DC United. Thank God for Taxi, Taxi Fountas. Uh, he had another MVP-like performance where he and Ola Kamara each scored their fifth goals of the season as DC rallied from two goals down to a Man, two-two draw. Three, ga- three to four games to score five goals. It's taken all about seven. <laughs> to get the draw against into Miami. United remains undefeated, never lost against Miami since Miami has reappeared as an MLS team. That's 2020, y'all! <laughs> Uh, Fontes uh, set up the play, nutmegging a defender before making the pass to Chris. I mean, Russell Canals to then give it to Kamara to get the tying goal. It came as Chad Ashton took a lot of heat for basically putting up Loudon United to play for DC United in the midweek <laughs> during DC United's uh, 3-0 loss in the U.S. Open Cup. And his reasoning... Loudoun United is the only team in the history of the U.S. Open Cup to be eliminated twice in and his tournament. <laughs> and his reasoning was, look, I have three games coming up, similar schedule to, to the Spirit, three games in, in a week. <laughs> and he wanted to make sure that his starters were fresh for those three games, the first one being against Inter-Miami. Mario, what were your thoughts on United's performance and once again Taxi coming through clutch? Um, can, can we say that Taxi could be hands down one of the best signings of the 2022 season? Uh, like yes. Autom- yes. Automatically. Automatically. Because this was a battle between two of the most informed strikers in MLS right now, him and Leandro Campana for Inter Miami. If you thought I was going to say Gonzalo Higuain, you're out of your mind. I think DC United got off of the initial shock 
of getting two goals scored on them towards the end of the first half or towards the end there. And Taxi was pretty much the difference maker. Again, Taxi was involved in the first goal. If you don't know, if you haven't seen it, it's a play where Julian Gressel wins the ball, uh, avoids the ball from going out, out out of play, plays it back towards Michael Estrada, who just chit, who just does a little bat, a bat, a back heel, back heel pass to a tat to Taxi, who just glides the ball in with such ease. It was so easy. He made it look easy. And, and again. If it isn't for Taxi, I feel like DC United would have issues scoring goals. But at the same time, they did okay. They still have the undefeated streak against Miami. But, you know, it, 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 it comes at, at pretty much trying to prove that, hey, we learned our mistake and we'll never play Loudoun United out there ever again. Well, in terms of that U.S. Open Cup real quick game, it just the, 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 it was just hard for me and many other fans to sit there and fathom that they played only two veterans in Pines and Tony Alfaro to and Durkin. Durkin came in the second, but yes, uh, and Durkin. Just like it was just hard for us to imagine, especially when we saw Hernan basically put. A real bona fide starting eleven to start against uh, Flower Union, and that they were just missing opportunities. Like it was very hard to go from that transition to then going to what we saw against New York, and then obviously New York, after multiple opportunities, gets the first, and then the goals just came flooding. Um, I understood what Chad did. And we needed the evidence of that. And defensively, United's gotten better. They did give away a set-piece goal. Um, But I thought that defensively, they were better this week, even despite giving up the two first goals against it to Miami. I felt like Cabana was marked out for large stretches of the game. I felt, you know, I felt like they had a handle. Lasseter was able to run freely a lot because they kept Capan at bay, but he was never that dangerous um, outside of the play that left them open for the goal. Like, Gressel stopped playing the ball. He was ball-watching. Lasseter's open. And then, and then the rest of the defense got beat to the near post. Outside of that, Lasseter was ill effective. I felt like the rest of the, and then what really helped in the press conference that was mentioned was the fact that at halftime, Miami decided to go from their three back to a five back, which opened up a lot of space in midfield for DC because DC was then allowed to control more of the midfield, build up plays, and then create those, those opportunities with. Fountas. I felt like early on they were really playing with Flores and they were trying to get Flores and Fountas involved at the same time. But the opportunities weren't coming. That final pass never came, uh, whether it was from Fountas or Flores, because it just it just fell out of sync. Second half, because of the extra space given, 
because Miami elected to sit back, it allowed D.C. to then push forward at numbers to the ball. And then they just elected, hey, give Fountas the ball. See what he'll do. And, I took the, and it was, it's very high school in that manner. But it was ultimately what made the difference. Miami had no answers for what Fountas did. Uh, they had no found. They had no answers. The the, right, the gliding Fountas whatsoever either. So you know, the gliding goal was excellent. The gliding goal was excellent. I thought you know the pass was perfect from Estrada. I mean, it was an overwhelming game in my opinion for Estrada anyway because. He had opportunities. He should have scored a goal, and he didn't. Um, and I've and it's over, and it's overwhelming because he didn't score his. And then Ola Kamara comes in, and within five minutes of being the sub, he gets the opportunity. He scores in such an Ola Kamara fashion, a goal that <laughs> comes off of nothing. Thanks a lot to um, to Taxi nutmegging the defender creating that pass, Russell playing like an offensive player for the first time in his career and creating the pass and Ola barely kicking the ball. And so it was a very Ola Kamara-esque goal, but it got the job done. And United has, like I said, United has two games this week and they needed a positive result on the road. I'll take the draw on the road, something DC United refuses to do take draws since since they had the coaching stage they hate draws i'll take it especially with the two home games coming up new york city fc who last let's not even talk about what happened last year <laughs> to end I'll give you six reasons why we won't talk about last year <laughs> and then toronto's coming who i really don't know what kind of toronto we're getting because they're playing everyone under the drinking gauge right now. So I have no idea what kind of how to evaluate Toronto. So for me, it's more of a focus on what can United do right now, getting positive results, getting a draw on the road, resting players, preparing for Wednesday, which I think Wednesday is going to be the bigger test than Toronto, no disrespect, because those are the MLS Cup champions. You want to put a good face. And like you said, there are six reasons why they should think that this is the most important game outside of the Toronto match. Right. Mainly being that they are the current MLS Cup champions. They're the defending reigning MLS Cup champions. So you always want to have a good showing against the def- against the defending champions. While as Toronto, you're right. Half this team is under the age of 18. So I don't even know if they can even walk into a, into a 7-11 unsupervised at this point let alone being under the drinking age. So I think the New York City FC game is going to be a good litmus test to see where where you stand or or where this team stands. Uh, I I could dare say there will probably be several several different lineup changes going into both games. Uh, You're going to be without Chris Durkin. He gets a red card in, in Miami. So you'll probably be with Chris Durkin for the Toronto game, but you now have to kind of like improvise a little bit, but not necessarily when it comes to the central defensive midfield, when it comes to defensive midfield pairings. So you see who you play Russell Canals with. 
But I think I think that this will. I think the game against New York City FC is just going to be one of those tests, like really test out where your team stands, how this team is going to look going forward. Well, also, we'll hopefully, we'll get an update on some of those key injuries. Like we have been seeing some players um, walking around DC, um, Audi Field. I would love to get an injury update. I think Jafal's doing fine, but I, I, I do think we need to see at some point uh, the statuses, or hopefully get the update of the statuses of certain of some of these players that have been injured, um, just to get see where they're at and see if they're able to contribute. If not for the Wednesday game, uh, hopefully against Toronto yeah, on Saturday. Yeah, you hopefully want to get guys like Andy Nahar back in the fold, who are key pieces to your to to the starting lot to your starting lineup. So we shall see what happens when it comes in that in getting injury you know, players coming back from injury. Yeah, and and also just because I don't want to see them burn out Fountas. I've seen too many times in DC United's history um, <laughs> where DC United will lean on a guy for like many many games and multiple stretches and while it's fine and all you also want to make sure that they're similar to what we said about similar to what we said about uh trinity robin you want to manage their minutes and make sure that they don't go above what they need to go above because they could end up injured. And I think the DC is really going to be able to take advantage of the fact that a lot of teams are going to miss their national teamers in June and that they could pick up some points in June with Fountas and others being contributors. Maybe the return of Andy Nahar is another example that could help out. But yeah, uh, whoever's going to pair with Russell in the middle, it's going to probably be Jafal again. But I, I will be – that's going to be something I'm going to be interested in. And honestly, I think – I can't believe I'm going to say this. I think Ola should start. I think Ola should start. <laughs> I think Ola should start over – over. Uh, Michael yeah, Strata is just – I don't get it, man. I don't get it. <laughs> he's He's – yeah, I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I'll agree with you there. Just because Ola Kamara now has five goals this season, he, he's come he's come up with some goals uh, on his own. So, so yeah, I think with with that being said, I think yeah, Ola Kamara should start against New York City FC in particular on Wednesday. So I guess we could kind of agree we need Ola. Right, exactly. Um, but overall, I think that's enough for us. <laughs> we'll, we'll hopefully, DC United does not <laughs> underwhelm us again. But until then, that's enough for us on this edition of the Battle Brace MC podcast. Uh, until then, Mario, tell the people where they can find out more about you. <laughs> All right, you want to see what I'm working on, or you just want to change, or you want to sign my change my petition.org. Uh, or my online petition to bring Paula Dybala to DC United, you can follow me on Twitter at MarioMaya1. 
you can follow El Tiempo Latino too. You want to know what's going on in the world around you or in the DMV? Go on their Twitter page or their Twitter at El Tiempo Latino. Go on their website, eltiempolatino.com. Or if you just want to put money in my pocket so I can see, so I could uh, give it to DC United to buy Pablo Dybala, you could go to LT, you could go get yourself a hard copy of El Tiempo Latino at your local newsstand or metro station today. Something tells me you want a certain player to come play for DC United. Yes, yes, I do. <laughs> How did you know? <laughs> no worries. Uh, I figured it out at some point. But in any event, <laughs> as Mario said, um, don't forget to follow both of us on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter at Jose underscore L underscore Mana for more. Special shout out, as always, to Ken McLeod. For the intro music, remember to rate and subscribe as always on Anchor, Spotify, all your audio platforms. Thank you so much for tuning into the Bad Hombres MC podcast, and we will talk to you soon. Adios. Adios.